I know how much hard work I put into catching my fish. I know what I need to make in order to make it viable. And he doesn't quibble that. He says, no, I'm buying that from you because I know that it's top quality and I will pay whatever that price is that you're, you're asking for it. And I, and I really like that because I think for so long, fishermen have just accepted the fact that that's the price and we'll just move on with that. But actually, no, I'm, I'm kind of like, no, if you want it, it's going to cost you that. This is Fishtales, a seafood podcast. I'm John Sussman. Fishing is very exhausting, isolating and difficult work. You need to be able to work well with very little sleep, be okay with using a bucket for a toilet, be around the same people day in, day out with very minimal distractions other than work. You need to be okay with being cold and wet at almost all times, be okay with eating the fish that's been rejected for sale, and be okay without any mobile phone or Wi-Fi for extended periods of time. You should love nature and adventure, and you should be into seeing parts of the world where no one else sees because there are no roads. It's both incredible and terrible in equal measures. If you can handle all that, you're good to go. Ashley Mulliger, also known as the female fisherman, is one of the few women working in fishing in the UK. The realisation that she was not enjoying her office job led to an epiphany, the open seas and a complete change of direction, making her good to go. So my name is Ashley, otherwise known on Instagram as the female fisherman. Um, and I catch shellfish and a few fishy fish uh, from a small Norfolk town, which is on the east coast of uh, the UK. Wells Next the Sea is a port town on the north Norfolk coast of England. The Norfolk coast has always been famous for its seafood, chroma crab, low-stoffed kippers, Brancaster oysters, mussels, whelks, lobsters and longshore cod are all traditional favourites. It's also a beautiful and popular tourist destination. It's a little town called Wells Next to the Sea. Um, it's been a fishing port for a couple of hundred years at least. Um, it's probably home to about, I think now about 14 commercial fishing boats. Uh, it's a tidal harbour and there's, it's, it's facing like it's on the north um, north coast, if that makes sense, because it's got a north-facing coastline. Um, it's on the east coast, but we we're that little bump that sticks out on on uh, on England, and uh, there's nothing between us and two thousand miles if you were to go straight north. Um, so yeah, it's it's it it's quite it's not very nice on a northerly, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, what else can I tell you about it? It's it's mainly a shellfish port. Uh, we fish crabs, lobsters, and whelks. Um, the North Sea is shallow and featureless and, you know, not rocky or anything like that. It's just pretty much sand and mud, which, which those particular species seem to like. To get a career in fishing, it helps to be born into it or know someone. But it's not a necessity at all. Often the way to get a job is still pretty old school. You need to have a fundamental love of the sea and the concept of hunting and be prepared to pester someone in the industry until they give you a job. So I booked like a charter angling trip about 14 years ago with this guy. <laughs> I, was, I was aboard at work and I was like, to my like colleagues, I was like, do you want to do something this weekend? And they're like, yeah, why not? And I'm, I said, okay, well, let's, let's go fishing. So I just whacked into an, a Google search, like Norfolk Sea Fishing, and this website popped up. And I booked like a three and a half hour mackerel trip 
And it was like one of those light bulb moments where I was like, wow, I love it out here. And after that, the skipper just couldn't get rid of me. He was like, <laughs> he got to the point where he was like, Look, don't bother like ringing and booking. Just turn up when you want. You can sort yourself out. Um, just, yeah, just, just give me a text. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh, and then his son was crewing for him. And then his son left him in the lurch. He went and worked on one of the uh, commercial boats. And he was like, I haven't got any crew. And I was like, all right. <laughs> he was like, do you want to do it? And I was like, well, I do have a full-time job. Um, but I can probably do weekends. I can probably do, like, take take time off work on annual leave, like, in some holidays and stuff. And he was like, yeah, yeah, that works. That's cool. So I did that and um, just basically spent my time catching small sharks and uh, unhooking mackerel for customers, untangling mackerel feathers, gutting mackerel, that kind of thing. And then the next summer, uh, I, <laughs> I gave work the ultimatum. I said I needed three months off. And if I didn't, if they didn't give me three months off to go and like <laughs> work at sea for the summer, uh, I was uh, I was going to quit. <laughs> so uh, they said, they said, Oh, whoa, 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 don't do that. We'll give you a special project where you can, like, have the summer off, which was pretty cool. Um, so we did that. I was ace. And then the next year, Nigel sold the commercial, uh, sold the charter boat and uh, went and ran a couple of commercial boats for other fishermen. And like, we always kept in touch and stuff. I mean, I was gutted. Um, but, like, always kept in touch, kept going out and that. And then in 2016, he bought his own commercial boat. And then in 2018, he said do you want to come back and work for me? And I was like, I don't know, I can't do that. Like, I'd always been like, really put off and like, uh, I guess it's like a little bit scared or nervous that because I was a girl, I couldn't do it or anything like that. And then he was like, no, no, he said, just come back. You know, I'll pay you X a week um, and you can do sort my pots out, you can sort bait out, you can help me with paperwork, you can come out on the odd nice day um catch some fish we can sell that and I was like okay uh so like I did it which was like quite scary because I've been like in an office for like 10 or so years and that was regular income easy money if you like and um I did it and I, and I honestly haven't looked back and then 2019 we bought another boat um and 20 which you know we went into partnership on and then 2020 what, what year are we in oh COVID's mucked everything up 20 19, yeah, 2019 bought another boat, and then last year we bought another boat as well. So uh, I always kind of knew I wanted to be working in um, the environment that I'm in after I'd done that first, like, angling trip. But one night, Nigel's lads who worked for him, um, they let him down, and he said, do you think you could bait and stack a pot? And I said, well, I've seen you do it enough times, I should think so. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think Nigel Pearl uh, was treating me like I was made of glass because the pots they're not that heavy but they're a bit heavy and I think he was a bit worried about you know oh is she going to be able to do it is she going to be able to like keep up like the pace all night is she going to be able to do it and once I'd done it I was like yeah it's easy I can do that <laughs> um, and I think that was the moment it was like oh yeah actually I can do this like I don't have to just stay ashore and sort bait or do paperwork or you know any of that stuff I can actually do this 
<laughs> which yeah I think that was and it was a horrible night I think it was like a blowing easterly it was about I think we were leaving the harbour at like 10 o'clock at night because obviously it's a tidal harbour so the tide dictates what time we can start it was cold and miserable and horrible but that was the moment <laughs> This job isn't stressful, but it challenges me. It challenges me in better ways. It challenges me um, because I don't, it doesn't come, I don't think it comes naturally to me. And I've had this conversation with other people and they're like, but it looks like it comes naturally to you, uh, you know, from an outsider's perspective. And I'm like, well, it doesn't. I don't know how many times Nigel had to show me a clove hitch knot before I finally got it right. And even now, sometimes I get it wrong. Um, uh, it just, yeah, it just seems like it's a, a different challenge and it's a, it's, I don't know, it just seems healthier for me, if that makes sense. Vincent van Gogh famously said that fishermen know that the sea is dangerous and the storm terrible, but they have never found these dangers sufficient reason for remaining ashore. What lies behind the risk are long hours of physical and mental torture in wet, cold, smelly and slimy conditions. The typical day of a fisherman bears no relation to that of the office worker. Well, I've just got up now. Now will be a typical day, pretty much. Um, so, yeah, I've just got up. But, like, time I get up will depend entirely on what time we're going because, like I said, it's a tidal harbour, so we only have, like, a four-hour window of where we can get out on each tide. Um, so I'm now on my way to Wells, which is probably about 20 minutes um, from mine at the time of the morning I'm doing it. It's about 45 minutes if you go at normal person's time. <laughs> um and I'll get down there now and I'll, I I know that the other boat, so the, we've got, obviously got the two boats, so the lads, Nigel's lads have been last night. So I know that I'll be going down there. They'll be coming in. So I'll probably help them unload because um, I'm a mug. <laughs> um, get a coffee and then load up with bait for the day and then head out. And like at the moment we're fishing probably 16 miles off. So it'll be a couple of hours steam, you know, set set the uh, deck up, get bait sorted, um, get to the gear and then just work around that in sort of a, a, a systematic way, work with the tide. Um, probably do today somewhere in the region of like 400 whelk pots. Um, so predominantly Nigel will be at the hauler, hauling the pots and shaking them. I'll be baiting and stacking them. Um and he will usually shoot them away as well. Although at the minute he is starting to try and bring me on a little bit more. I've been doing more of the hauling. He's let me shoot the odd one away. Um, so, yeah, he is quite protective of me when it comes to shooting away. And I get it. You know, that's a that's a that's the dangerous bit, if that makes sense. Um, so that's, a, yeah. And then I'll finish up somewhere tonight, probably about eight, eight nine o'clock once we're in, unloaded and had a beer. <laughs> Commercial fishers are spoiled for choice along the Norfolk coast. The shores vary from shingle to sand. Most sea fish species can be caught, including cod, plaice, flounder, dab, bass, sole, mackerel and whiting. And of course, the all-important whelk and lobster Ashley focuses on. Whelks is our, if I say like our bread and butter, so that's what we're doing uh, predominantly. And they are seasonal, but you can fish them throughout the year it's a sea snail essentially um and it's and it's they've fallen out of love like the british have fallen out of love with them they used to be big over here in the 60s and 70s but now they like 95 percent of all whelks caught in this country end up in korea 
um, because there's just no market for them here, which is like a shame, really. In their like raw form, if you like, once they're just cooked and boiled, like they're nice, but there's like other things you could do which would make them nicer. Like, they'll stand up to massive flavors in like Asian cooking and things like that. But I think we over here we're just a bit scared and we boil something and think, yep, that'll do. <laughs> But you're not, you're not giving it its best shot, you know. Um, at the minute, we also have uh, crab and lobster gear, which we'll work probably once a week. We haven't got a lot of crab and lobster gear. I need to get more, really. Um, so we'll probably do that once a week. But at the minute, crab and lobster are doing quite well. And then we've got mackerel at the moment as well. So that will come in. Um, and that will be, uh, you know, another um, potential avenue for fishing. Women make up less than 2% of the seafood community. Women hold a range of roles in the world of fishing, although mostly they are shore-based, playing a vital part in the running of many family fishing businesses. Often unpaid and invisible, the contributions of women members of this industry are commonly undervalued and under-recognised. For next generation fishermen like Ashley Mullinger, the question of her sex is irrelevant as she takes charge of her own destiny. Before I started social media, I was probably aware of one other. Um, but now I'm, I think I made a list the other day. I think we're at about 10. Um, some are more full-time, some are more part-time, some are helping like their dads or brothers. Um, but I think about 10, I want to say. There's probably a few more lurking in the woodwork somewhere. <laughs> um, but no, it's not generally something where you're going to see many women. I don't know if that's a different culture in um, Australia or or what. Uh, and I've tried to get my head around it because in America, there seems to be more uh, women working commercially on boats. I've never really had any backlash from being a woman um, in a you know very predominantly male industry. As an island and ancient seafaring nation, the United Kingdom's fishing communities have an outsized impact on the country's identity. So it should be no surprise that their fate loomed over Brexit negotiations, with politicians promising fishermen they would be big winners after the UK left the EU Common Union. With some of the best and most highly sought-after seafood in the Northern Hemisphere, the changing markets are both a challenge and an opportunity for British seafood. I think I've had um, a couple of people have messaged me now and said, I did this thing or I did that thing or I went and tried this or I went and tried that because of because basically because you told me to um <clears throat> so like championing british seafood is massively important for me um not just for my own interests but for every fisherman's interests in this country i mean 80 percent of everything caught in it in you know in the uk is exported abroad um because we're just not eating it which is just such a shame you know we've got we've now going through um brexit where we voted to become an independent coastal state so people need to start eating more fish. They need to support the British fishing industry. Otherwise, it will die, essentially. Um, you know, when you export something, there's a cost associated with that. We get hit with that cost. Um, so it means that we fish stocks harder because we're businesses like any other thing. Um, you know, you still have to make your business financially viable. So whereas you might need X amount of fish to make your money, if you didn't have to catch as much because you were getting a better price for it, you wouldn't need to fish the stocks as hard. Um, so 
it's that message that I really want to send. It's that it's it's empowering anyone to feel that they can do anything they want, regardless of stereotype. You know, whether that be a man or a woman in in any role, not just fishing. Um, and also just sharing, having a bit of a laugh. I think people need a bit, bit of a laugh. <laughs> if anyone's watched, you'll, you'll see sometimes that it does get a bit, it does get a bit funny, especially with Nige, the skipper. <laughs> the new world for English fisheries is presenting a range of challenges for the traditional catchers. In the current turmoil, there are some who are fearing change and others, like Ashley, who are embracing it and forging ahead with new directions and new markets confident in what they catch is deserving of a premium market it seems like it's going through a change at the moment so um i've been to a few conferences been involved in um quite a few talks and it seems like they want to completely drastically shake up the way that the fishing industry is managed here but what that looks like how they're going to do that and how they're going to actually gain the trust of fishermen here I really don't know because a lot has happened um, in the past and a lot of fishermen now don't trust our authorities um, when it comes to managing our fishy, fisheries. So the, there's, a, there's not the relationship between fisheries management and fishermen isn't great. Um, and how they change the way it's managed and regain that trust, I really, really don't know. Um, I think it's a massive piece of work and how they go about doing it I'm not sure. I mean, I'm involved in a group called Fishing Into the Future, um, which are basically, uh, it's mainly 70% fishermen led and it puts you at the table, if you like, with um, fisheries management and in a position where actually if you want to question the science that they're doing, um, you're in a more powerful position to do that. So if, if, you know, fisheries management are coming back and saying, okay, we've done this study and we found this thing, um, some of the time you have to wonder, okay, who did that study? When was it done? You know, what was the, what was found? Because oftentimes with science, whoever pays for it gets to say, does that make sense? So if, if, if fisheries want to go and find something out, they'll say, they'll go to a scientist and say, I want to find X and it's not that impartial. I, I don't feel personally, I'm not necessarily saying that's the voice of the entire fishing fleet, but it sometimes doesn't feel like it's been looked at from a completely neutral standpoint. Um, and they'll usually find the thing that they're looking for because that's what they've asked the scientists to do, essentially. Um, so I think there's a massive, massive piece of work to be done and a lot of um, a lot of change and tearing down the rules and, and starting again needs to happen. Fishing is as unpredictable as the weather, sometimes devastatingly dull, on other occasions exhilarating to the point of explosion. Fishermen are, after all, hunters. And for many, the sheer thrill of the hunt is enough to make the best of days. Um, I mean, there's been there's been hairy moments on the boat, I'm not going to lie, but actually they weren't when we were fishing, they were when we were bringing them back because when we bought the boats, we bought them from like the furthest place away that we could. So one came from like the Outer Hebrides in Scotland, the other came from Northern Ireland. We had hairy moments bringing them back because the weather was never on our side. Um, but there was one... Like when it comes to like good days, um, me and uh, Nigel, the skipper, and then his lads used to on the um, on the boat we had used to share it. So they would go overnight, and then we would go of the day. So obviously because it's tidal, so they'd take one tide, they'd come in, and then we'd go out again. Um, and I think they came back one night 
uh, they landed at about one in the morning with about two, two and a bit ton of whelks on the boat. And we got on and we're like, okay, uh, now it's our turn and we've got to work amongst two and a bit ton of whelks. <laughs> um and yeah so we went out and then we probably did another uh, another couple of tons so uh we came in with like 80 boxes of whelks no room on the deck four ton on the boat um and it was just like proper teamwork proper good day and i think that's the best day we've had in a long long time um i think we i think it got to the, like the last uh, last string of pots we had to do and i was struggling to find room to actually put them because I, I had whelks everywhere <laughs> Like many commercial fishers, the ability to adapt and change is an imperative. The modern commercial fisherman has direct access to consumers like never before. Being only one mouse click or an Instagram like away from the end consumer, the opportunity to shorten the supply chain and connect directly with customers provides an opportunity to both build demand, but also loyalty and support. So at the moment, I'm, um, I'm trying to diversify a bit more, like, uh, you might have seen pictures of me with like uh, cod and mackerel on my uh, Instagram feed, and I'm selling that to um, a small fishmongers who is only buying British, um, only buying British fish from um, from British fishermen from day boats from the small scale industry, um, and I love the fact that I'm going out there and I am fishing fishing for it like rod and line. Um, so I know I can be really, really selective. Um, I know I'm targeting only that species and I know how, I know how much care I'm taking like with that fish as well. So it's coming in the boat, it's gutted within five minutes. It's on ice within six. Um, and I know that I can sell that to him for, a, you know, for, for the top price that I can get. And I, and like so often here, the tail wags the dog and we just roll over and accept the market price. But I know how much hard work I put into catching my fish. I know what I need to make in order to make it viable. And he doesn't quibble that. He says, no, I'm buying that from you because I know that it's top quality and I will pay whatever that price is that you're, you're asking for it. And I, and I really like that because I think for so long, fishermen have just accepted the fact that that's the price and we'll just move on with that. But actually, no, I'm, I'm kind of like, no, if you want it, it's going to cost you that. Fishing is truly a labour of love. For many, it is as much the thrill of the hunt or the isolation of the ocean that gives a sense of freedom so seldom found in land-based professions. For Ashley, her newfound profession has clearly ignited a passion that is destined to remain with her for a long time. There's, I, I love everything about it. I love the freedom of it. Um, I love the fact that sometimes you're just out of range for the day and no one can get in touch with you. Um, you know, prime example, during the pandemic, you, you know, you, you threw your ropes and you went to sea and the pandemic didn't exist. Like that, like it's so, it's such a good place for to just clear your mind and just to get such clarity on stuff. I know that sounds really kind of wafty, but <laughs> it really is. It's not a job for me. It's, I don't think it's a job for anyone. It's actually a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle choice. It's... I just feel freer. I don't feel like I'm running on the same cycle every day. You know, get up, have breakfast, go to work, do that. You know, get home, eat, wash, sleep, get up. You know, I felt like that was like an existence. And I was just like living for the weekend. Um, and Sunday night would roll around and I'd be like, oh, it's Sunday night. I've got to go to work tomorrow. And then now it's 
well, I work pretty much seven days a week <laughs> and I wouldn't do that if I didn't love it, you know. I think you're probably right. It's probably just euphoria. It's hard to explain because it is such a strong feeling. It's it's that feeling of just it being you, the skipper, the boat and the sea. And it's just as simple as that. And it's it, it it's just like this raw, maybe this raw connection with nature um, and just ultimate freedom and loneliness, I guess, which is quite nice. It's nice to be turned away turned off from the you know the rat race if you like of 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 people and life and and I'm quite a social creature you know I like people (laughs) but but actually to be able to distance yourself from that and get away to your own world because it is your own world out there it's just like I say it's you the skipper the boat and that's it and the sea and it's nice I'm really happy where I am now and I don't want to change that at the moment so i'm just going to carry on doing what i'm doing um fighting the good fight for you know british fish for for the the british fishing fleet and and just keep enjoying it you know i don't want to put myself under any pressures to do this thing that thing or the other thing when right now is really good so like in most parts of contemporary life commercial fishing in the uk is undergoing dramatic change not only have the realities of what can and can't be caught and what quantity and when become a determining factor of daily life, but also on who is doing the fishing and when they are doing it. For an age-old traditional industry like commercial fishing, the inclusion of new entrants is both exciting and a necessity. Ashley Mullinger reflects this change and is as inspiring as she is a motivation to other fishers, both male and female. This is Fishtales, a seafood podcast. A Deep in the Weeds production, I'm John Sussman. Follow us on Instagram at Fishtales Seafood Podcast or email us at fishtalespodcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay tuned for more tales from beneath the surface of the seafood world every Friday on your podcast app.